It's time for Heat Wave Sports. Sit back and relax as you take a tour around the world of sports each and every Saturday and Sunday night. And now, your hosts for Heat Wave Sports, Tim Unglesby and Tom Barton. Tom Barton with you here for the next two hours to get you ready for the new week. And we can we'll conclude week six of the National Football League tomorrow night as Denver and San Diego battle on Monday Night Football. Got plenty going on to talk about tonight, though, including Major League Baseball. We'll save that for hour two. But, Tom, uh, a weird day in the, in the National Football. Every week's weird, but this one really came down to a lot of games right at the end, swinging one way or the other. Yeah, Tim, this was this was a wild one. Um, uh, I'm going to bring it to to Field Yates, who put out this this tweet. Aaron Rodgers lost for the first time in 16 games at home. Tom Brady lost to the Steelers for just the fourth time in 16 games. Lamar Jackson lost to an NFC team for the first time in his career. And by the way, that was just the early games, Tim. I mean, things that never happened absolutely went out there and happened. But units that were just ridiculous. Uh, I, I mean, Seattle's defense, where did that come from? Where did Pittsburgh get a defense when they were playing with backups to backups to backups at defensive back? It was just a weird, weird situation today. And we're going to break all the games down for you. We'll preview the Monday nighter. We'll look at week, uh, week seven. We'll look ahead to week seven with the lines as we go through. So we should just uh, jump on in, Tom. Let's start it off. How about this old NFC West matchup, the Niners in Atlanta to take on the Falcons? How about the Atlanta Falcons, Tom, now 500 on the year with a 28-14 win over San Francisco, and it was a convincing win. It was a convincing win. You know, San Francisco, you could make a lot of excuses. They were missing multiple, multiple defensive players. Nick Bosa was out. Um, you know, they, they lost uh, their linebacker for the year last week with a torn ACL. They were down a cornerback. During the game, they lost two more players. I mean, look, you can make a lot of excuses for the Niners, but there's no excuse for allowing the Atlanta defense to play as well as they did. Wilson finished with 25 yards rushing on a team that likes to run the ball, right? I mean, San Francisco wants to run the ball all day. He finished with 25 yards. They just didn't give him the ball. It was bad scheming. And afterwards, the Atlanta head coach took the offensive line, brought them up to a suite. They were drinking beers in their uniform. They got something working there, Tim. They are 6-0 and against the spread. Like you said, they are 3-3 and on the season. Everyone's waiting for Desmond Ritter to kind of take over Mariota's job, but he's got them playing really well. You lose Cordell Patterson. People said, okay, that's the end of that. Nope, no problem. They neutralized Drake London. Oh, well, that's the end of that. Nope, here comes Z coming up with catches. Atlanta is suddenly a dangerous team. I don't think they're doing anything in the playoffs, Tim, but they're a dangerous team to bet on or against. That was going to be my next question is how long into a season do you factor in when the, the luck runs out? You know, you talk about Atlanta at three and three, the Seahawks three and three, right? Rebuilding the giants five and one. How much, how much stock do we put into, you know, in another six weeks, where are these teams going to be? You know, I think the Niners are going to correct things. Um, Joey Bosa is not 
T.J. Watt, but he's close, okay? And I say he's not T.J. Watt. The Pittsburgh Steelers were 0-7 coming into today without T.J. Watt in the lineup. But he's close, right? So they're going to correct that. They're going to be able to get some defense working. Offensively, though, I don't know what their identity is. You know, they do a lot of Debo stuff. They had the running game working for the last couple of weeks. They went away from it there. I don't know if they know what their offense is. I'm not sure that they feel confident in Garoppolo and his ability to move the ball downfield if the running game takes a backseat like it did today. Uh, George Kittle has been generally a disappointment. I know he's a great blocker and everything, but that's a disappointment. So there's multiple facets here where I look at San Francisco and I say, yeah, I can see the, the light at the end of the tunnel and I can see them being better. I still think that they're a playoff team for sure. But they got some problems. And Atlanta, look, they're three and three. I don't think that they're a playoff team. But I used to say during a 16-game season, I used to say, yeah, you know what? This is an eight-win team. Maybe get to nine wins and we'll see. I think I could still say the same thing about Atlanta. I still think that they have a couple of wins left in them. I don't think that this is a five- or six-win team. I think you're talking about seven, eight, maybe nine wins. Is that enough to get into the playoffs? No, but I like what they're doing. And if Kyle Pitts starts showing his promise along with Drake London and everybody else that they have, all of a sudden, wow, you know, this team could be dangerous. Cordell Patterson coming back in a couple of weeks as well. So I'm higher on Atlanta than I think most people are, although I know the, the floor will fall out soon. Jets, Packers at Green Bay, and the Jets a 24-point second half. Tom, they go they win, away, uh, win going away 27-10 on the road. They're 4-2 and two now. Three of those four wins on the road. The Pack fall to 3-3, three and three, and two of those three losses there at Lambeau Field. You said it. Early, you said it to start the show. Aaron Rodgers and the stat there on what just a weird day this was. The Packers, Tommy, were a seven-point favorite in this football game. Uh, you know, I didn't see this coming. Uh, you know, the Jets are a good team. They have good weapons. The Jets playing close and playing tough doesn't necessarily shock me. What shocks me is that the Jets can be beaten on the ground, and, and Aaron Rodgers. Okay, he banged up his hand. They are just not going to Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones coming into this game was averaging 6.4 yards per carry. Uh, they're giving the ball to Dylan Moore, who's not averaging four yards per carry. It's a weird situation there. The offensive line, everybody's blaming the offensive line. Well, the offensive line is bad, but they're also designing and you know not taking advantage of their design plays. There was three plays specifically in the first half with Aaron Rodgers literally just missed guys. I mean, he just he just missed them. You could talk about the Devontae Adams thing all you want. The Devontae Adams thing certainly has some credence here, but that doesn't take away from the defense. A defense that was supposed to be a top five defense in the league, a defense with defensive backs that were supposed to be top five in the league. Um, the one thing that we did know, two weeks running now, you could run all over the Packers. Even the Bears ran over the Packers, right? So you could run on the Packers and you could have success on the ground. That's what the Jets did. I wasn't sure they'd have the ability to take advantage of that. I was sure the the Packers were going to crowd the line and dare Wilson to beat them. They didn't do that. They just didn't play well. Again, we'll look at the six-week mark. Packers 3-3, three and three, Tom. I don't see – look, we, we've talked about beginning of the season. We were like, well, who's he going to throw to? And today the, the big receiving star was Robert Tunyon, 10 catches, 90 yards. That's your tight end. He shouldn't be catching that many – that many balls, but really, what, like you said, where does he have to go to? The O-line falling apart. 
They're not running the ball with the two-headed monster like they should be effectively. They're three and three. I don't see any help down the pike, Tom. What do you do? Yeah, well, there is no help coming. And now Cobb is out. It looks like, look, he was crying on the sidelines. Looks like he's probably out for an extended stay. What you do is what they should have done before the season began, Tim, and that is you run the ball, and you run the ball, and you run the ball, and you run the ball. And if you are inclined to just say, well, we have Aaron Rodgers, how do we not throw it downfield? You know, the run will open up those passing lanes. The run will get these guys developed at a quicker pace. But you got to start with the run. The, the lack of them committing to the run shows me that, you know what, they don't know what to do with that. They, they don't know how to commit to the run, even if it's working effectively. And Aaron Jones is working effectively this year. It gives the offensive line more of an, uh, you know, a buildup, and it makes them feel good about blowing guys off the ball. They've got to commit to the run. But, Tim, none of it will matter. I'm not worried about the wide receiver. None of it's going to matter if they can't play defense. And right now, the Packers have all the defensive talent that you want, but they can get run on. Next week, Green Bay will be in nation's capital to take on the Commanders, another team, Tom, that's struggling with scoring right now. And the Packers, a five-point road favorite on this Sunday morning game. Uh, I don't know how you can take the Packers as a favorite in any spot right now. You know, if you can't beat the Jets at home, and this is not a slight to the Jets, it's just reality, you can't beat the Jets at home. With Zach Wilson you know, coming back, still nursing an injury, we can say, if you're sitting there and, and you can't do that and you can't cover there, how do you go out there and cover against Washington? Washington has extra days to prepare. Now, I know the Wentz injury certainly gets thrown in there. And, and you know, maybe you jump all over the Packers because you think that Carson Wentz is going to be out of this game. Uh, but, uh, look, there's nothing to like about the Commanders, nothing to like about them, but they get extra rest, and they're at home, and they're getting points. It, it's the Packers. I'm shocked it's only five. I figured people would jump all over them, and it would be seven again because it's the Packers. You look at the Jets, four and two, and here's the thing that, uh, you know, we have friends of the show, the Jose V's in the world, Tommy, that are all about the Jets and, and claiming claiming a Super Bowl run here, but really, it's it's smoke and mirrors if you look at what the Jets have done today. You said it, Wilson, just 110 yards passing. Uh, Hall had a great great game on the ground, averaging almost six yards per carry, putting up over 100, but. Um, again, they fall into this middling th- four and two, three and three teams that I've been talking about, Tom, that really, what can you expect in another six weeks time? I, I think the jets were talking about the offense and everybody wants to talk about, uh, you know, Wilson to Wilson and the other Wilson Garrett Wilson's fantastic. And Tim, did you see what Quentin Williams did today? Quentin Williams was, was just absolutely out of his mind and he's always had the talent to be that way. I mean, Quentin Williams is just that guy right now. Uh, he had seven quarterback pressures today, two sacks on 34 pass rushes. That's unbelievable. He leads all defensive tackles in pressure rate, all defensive tackles in sack rate. I mean, and he also, by the way, blocked, blocked a field goal. If you could get that push up front and a healthy Quentin Williams, everything else falls into place. And when I say everything else, <clears throat> you know, Sauce Gardner and all that that is behind him, certainly falls into place. We knew that Robert Sala, a defensive coordinator, was going to start getting the most out of his talent. I just didn't think the offense was going to turn around this quickly. And I know Chris Wynn said, you know, give Brees Hall credit. Yeah, look, I I was the first person to say uh, Brees is the first guy off the board during draft season, and he was going to be good. 
But I saw the hesitancy in the New York Jets to kind of throw him into the fire. I still think the Jets, who are missing two offensive linemen, will eventually get burned. I still believe that. Coming into today, they beat nothing but backup quarterbacks. Pickett, Trubinsky, Jacoby Brissett. I mean, they beat and, – and, and Skylar Thompson. So this is their first real win, if you want to give a quotation there, real win. And they did it against Aaron Rodgers, so I can't say anything. But I don't think that we should overrate what the Jets are. The Jets have a good defense. They have nice defensive pieces. But eventually that offensive line is going to come back to to, to really hurt them. Week 7 look ahead. How about this, Tom? This, they're in, the Jets will be in Denver. It's a 1 o'clock game here on, on the left coast. The Broncos play tomorrow. So still coming out of that game. If you want to get the Jets right now, you can get them plus 3.5 if you like them on the road next Sunday. Yeah, you know, look, I, I mean, the Jets are – it's a hard team to bet right now because, like I said, I think that the it's going to come crashing down. The Broncos represent an interesting team, and I think a lot of people will be on the Jets. The Broncos represent an interesting team because I got to see how Hurt Wilson looks. Remember, he got an injection in his shoulder um, this week. I want to see how Hurt Wilson looks because this Broncos defense is for real, right? I mean, we know that. I know they lost Josie Jewell, uh, but this Broncos defense is for real, Tim. The Jets, look, they've gone up against backup quarterbacks. They've gone up against middling defenses. Here's your first defensive test. I know everyone's on the Jets, and everyone should be on the Jets right now. It's hard to bet against them, but I tend to lean the Denver Broncos here at home, minus only a field goal with that defense. I, I still think Wilson's a little young in the teeth. How about that that game, Tom? Jets, Broncos, you have two of the best coaches in the NFL. I mean, come on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, is the, that is the truth. Sal- Salah is the coaching advantage. Yes. <laughs> That's saying something, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> AFC South. Aye, aye, aye. How about the – look, the, the game was this. Colts 34, Jaguars 27. That's the final, but – We'll start with the Jags, Tommy. Just this team, one week just pathetic offensively. The next week they're able to put points up, but then the defense falls apart. Just a lot of ups and downs for the Jacksonville team right now. You know, it's funny. I, I This morning on my Wanna Bet show on Sports Garden Network, um, I had Ashlyn Sullivan on, and she's the Jaguars beat reporter. And, and, and it was funny how the interview went because – I was kind of asking her to give me reassurance. You remember last week I was sitting in Vegas next to you. I lost $5,000 on the Jaguars because they lost to Houston. And I was asking Ashlyn, I said, give me reassurance that it was kind of a fluke, right? I mean, tell me it was a fluke. Tell me they're treating it in camp like it's a fluke, like it's no big deal. And basically, to paraphrase her, she's like, no, Tom, no. They were beat. I'm not going to call that a fluke. They were out-schemed. They were beat in that game. And I said, well, okay, well, they should bounce back against the Colts, right? I mean, this isn't the same old Jags. And her answer to me, the last thing that she said was, uh, we'll find out today if they're the old Jags or not. I'm not convinced that they're going to go out there and play well. I, I was I mean, I was shocked to hear that, especially coming from a Jaguars beat reporter. But that's kind of the feeling in the clubhouse. And Peterson alludes to them being young. He consistently goes back and leans on them being young, which is true. But, look, this this is a game you can't lose if you're Jacksonville and want to be taken serious. You can't. I know it was on the road. I know it's a divisional opponent. They were without Jonathan Taylor. Matt Ryan has looked absolutely terrible. Coming into the game, they gave this statistic. Coming into the game, 
three only 3.5 percent of his passes all year have gone for 20 yards in the air or more. He was awful, the worst in the NFL at that, and he threw all over them. I mean, they made no adjustments to that. Without Jonathan Taylor, they dared Matt Ryan to throw all over him, and he said no problem. And he did what he has not done all year, and that was throw all over him. Yeah, he looked like he was back in his Atlanta days. Uh, 389 yards, three touchdowns. And then on the reverse, Trevor Lawrence, who who started the season out solid, Tom, is kind of hitting the slump. But even today, he was 20 for 22, which percentage-wise is unbelievable. The problem was of those 20 completions, they were only for 165 yards. Yeah, exactly. I I mean, you look at Lawrence, he's going to make mistakes like the Philadelphia game, okay? He's going to make those kind of mistakes. I can deal with that. Last week against Houston, made one bad throw, but I didn't love the fact that he wasn't pushing it downfield in the first half, and then in the second half, he was just kind of airmailing it everywhere. I didn't like the inconsistencies, but I said, okay, you know, one thing is inconsistencies. The next the next week, you know, okay, he's making mistakes and fumbling the ball and things like that. I can get by that. It, it's a young quarterback. Today? Today made no sense. He, he can't string these games together. And then I was happy about getting inside – getting inside the five, inside the 10, he's using his legs. That's something that we saw in college. And that's something that I thought was missing from his game. But his passing game has just not come along the way that I thought it would. Next week, divisional matchup again for the Colts. On the road this time, Tom, they'll be at Tennessee. The Titans, a two-point favorite. Coming off a bye, too. Here, here we go, Tim. I mean, I want to take, the, take them all day. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I, I want to take the Colts. But we're looking at the, a well-rested Titans team at home, basically minus two, okay, against a tall Colts team that might or might not have Jonathan Taylor. And you're giving Vrabel a week to prepare. I think I love the Titans in this spot, okay? So I just told you I like the Colts, and I just said I love the Titans. It, it's, it's kind of one of those coin flip games. I will probably wind up siding with the Titans just because I like rest and I like good coaches off of rest. Uh, but this is a this could be for the division here. I mean, this is a very important game in wherever we're going to be late October. Jacksonville loses of three in a row, yet only a game behind Tennessee and Indianapolis. They'll be back at home, and they welcome in the Giants five and one. Tom, the Jags are the favorite in this game on their home field by a field goal. Uh, I mean, what what do you do with this game? The Giants are an upstart. The Giants are five and one. The Giants are well coached. The Giants' defense is great. Jacksonville's a three-point favorite at home. Like, there's no home field advantage in Jacksonville. Okay, so forget about the home field advantage. I, I, I don't know. This is the Giants are an excruciating team to bet on because I don't believe in Daniel Jones and I don't believe in their offensive weapons, but their defense is for, for real. The Jaguars have looked like garbage, though. They look good against Philly at times, right? They looked like absolutely awful against Houston, and maybe they look good in spurts against the Colts. I don't think I could take Jacksonville, and I think the world's going to be on the Giants. Yeah, yet the line says the Jags are three points. Isn't that one of those games where it's just like that just doesn't sit well with you? Yeah, I I don't know why. Why Why would this be? Are people just not believing in the Giants so much? This is, yeah, I don't, I don't want to call it a trap line, but it's a weird AFC NFC matchup here. Cincinnati heads to New Orleans, and uh, it's an exciting football game back and forth. They get the win. Jamar Chase, two touchdowns today, including that 60 yarder. 30 26 Bengals win it late, Tom. 
Uh, you know, I, I, I gave this number in this morning on Sports Garden. The number one bet team at the Circa Millions contest was the Cincinnati Bengals. The number one bet team at the Westgate contest was the Cincinnati Bengals. The number one bet team in America at more than 90% across three different sports books that registered it was the Cincinnati Bengals. As much as 97% of the money was coming in on the Bengals at Westgate. I, 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 I mean, you just look at this and you just say, I, I mean, how? Right? How how does that happen? You almost have to go against the public. But people were smart. The Saints were just missing too much, Tim. I mean, they were just missing so many pieces. It's a miracle they're staying close with guys. The Saints are a team that I didn't believe in before the year. Now I look at them contending with the pieces that they're, no, they're missing Olave, missing Landry, missing Michael Thomas, missing Winston. Kamar is still not 100%. I mean, they're missing guys all over the field. I'm still not buying into the Bengals because you just beat up a half-beaten Saints team, and really it took one huge play. I'm not buying into the Bengals, but I feel a lot better about the Bengals now than I did early in the season. And the Saints, look, they keep losing, but they're playing close. When they start getting healthy, this Saints team could be real dangerous late in the year. Yeah, quarterback. I think the quarterback problems, quarterback issue is going to be the problem in New Orleans, whether it's Winston or Dalton. I, I guess Winston would be the, the better of the two. Dalton looked pathetic today. I don't, I don't know, Tom. I don't think you can win with either, but I don't know if that was actually the goal. If you're a Saints fan coming into the season, at least me looking at it from the outside in, I didn't consider them a playoff team with Jameis Winston as my guy. So really, am I surprised they're 2-4 and four right now, Tom? No, you can't be. I mean, but a lot of people did, Tim. A lot of people had them pushing for the Bucks for uh, you know the division. Most everybody I saw had them at least making a wild card run. Nobody saw the Saints falling apart. So I think that the Saints fans are looking at this and, and they're saying, you know, when we get healthy, we can make a little bit of a run. I still think that they have faith. If you look at their schedule, look, take on Arizona on, on Thursday, okay? That is a very winnable game. Then they take on Vegas and Baltimore, both at home. Both of them are winning at winnable games. At Pittsburgh, certainly a winnable game. Then they get the Rams, but they get them at home. Okay, and a winnable game the way that the Raiders, the, the Rams are right now. Going to San Fran, going to Tampa Bay will be a little tough. Then you get Atlanta at home, Cleveland, no big surprise. Philly's going to be tough, and then Carolina at home. I'm looking at this uh, this Saints team, just looking at their schedule. I'm going to give them a loss to Arizona, a win against Vegas. Yeah, I know Vegas, get, get upset. So that's one win. <laughs> I think they could go to Pittsburgh and win or against Baltimore, so I'll give them two there. I think they steal one out of at San Francisco, home against the Rams, home against Tampa. That's three. They steal one at home against Atlanta. That's four. I think they take the last one against Carolina. That's five. Right? I mean, I got them at seven wins. Maybe you squeak out an eight. That's nah, not, not going to be enough to make the ball. What about the Bengals, Tommy? Now, uh, they, they played, I want to say, out of the six, without looking at a schedule, Four of the six on the road is going to switch up here. They're going to get a lot of home games coming up starting in week seven. And they're playing a team we just talked about earlier in the Falcons uh, coming in with a lot of momentum. Bengals six, six and a half right now if you like them next week at home. I mean, you got to like the Falcons. Yeah, you have to like what the Falcons are doing. The Bengals have shown a lot of problems this year. The Bengals, did, did, did they impress you today beating a backup quarterback, backup wide receivers across the board? They impress no. you? That no. New Orleans put up 26? I mean, no. 
they, was it impressive what they did against Miami? Uh, not really. Against the Jets? Sorry. It was Wilson's first game back, right? This team lost to Pittsburgh. This team lost to a good defense in Dallas. Atlanta doesn't have a good defense. There's no way I'm laying the points with Cincinnati in this spot. How, how much – so we'll just say – let's take six. We'll do six. Help me out with the line here, Tom. There's, so they're six-point favorite, home against Atlanta. Um, obviously, Cincinnati's become a public team to bet, right? Tommy Burrow, Chase, Mixon, Boyd. They played in the Super Bowl last year. Had an un- unbelievable run to the, to the Super Bowl. So coming into this game, Atlanta, a um, lot of momentum, 500 on the season, playing well. Beginning of the season, is this line closer to nine than it is six now? And should it really be about four? No, I don't think that much, Tim. I really don't. You know, I, I have the look-ahead lines. And, uh, give me a second. I can look for the look-ahead lines. I think it's going to be – I think before the season, this look-ahead line was seven, seven and a half. Mm-hmm. Okay? I don't think it was up to nine. Um, but, yeah, I do agree, agree with the second part of that. I think it should be about four. Yeah, I, I think that – I think it should be three. I mean, you put the Bengals and Falcons on neutral field – I don't know if the Bengals are substantially better quite yet. Uh, so, you, you you know, you're going to talk yourself into whichever you want here. I think you have to look up matchup problems. The Falcons don't match up well against the deep pass. The Bengals, though, have not been able to get time to get the deep pass because Joe Burrow has been sacked on his butt, you know, the entire time. I would be all over the Bengals had the Falcons not come up with a decent defensive effort this week. The Falcons' defense, while the Falcons are 6-0 and against the spread, Falcons defense, 27 to New Orleans, 31 to the Rams, 23 to Seattle. You know, then they had a good game against Cleveland and a good game against Tampa. Now a good game against San Francisco. Like all of a sudden, Atlanta's defense is going, oh, we're, we're actually a pretty decent team. And that's against different kind of team. You know, for me, the, the Falcons have to be the play here. But I wonder if I'm going to be siding with that public underdog because everybody's enjoying what the Falcons are doing. Get the Zappy jerseys ready, Tommy. 24-34, 309 yards, two touchdowns for the rookie. Another win. New England goes into Cleveland and beats up on the Browns being the Browns. 38-15. Pats now 3-3, three and three, Browns 2-4. and four. I don't think you can take Zappy out of this, can you? This is a, a <clears throat> Patriots team that we all laughed at this year because they were going to be so bad, right? Even the Patriots beat reporters are talking about how bad this offense was going to be, how bad they were going to be. And I told you, you know this, I made a, a very, very big claim in the offseason. I said, I think Stevenson finished as a top 10 guy. I think he's that talented. And they learned to just utilize that. The defense was always going to be good. It's got talent. It's got Belichick behind it. They needed a spark. They needed that something. And I thought maybe it would be Mac Jones's running ability. No, it's Bailey's happy. You can't take him out of this at all. I'm really impressed with what the Patriots are doing, but really impressed with the offense of the Patriots. The defense, I kind of thought would come around. I kind of thought that they would be fine. Um, maybe not the greatest, but they're a top 10 defense almost no matter what. I thought Stevenson would take hold of this backfield like he has and look really good. If my concern was the offensive line and the play of, well, you know what? You need a spark out of Mac Jones. No, we're getting out of Bailey Zappi. It's fantastic. I, th- I think when you're looking at 
Belichick, he, he doesn't play by those rules, right, Tom? So if he feels that's the guy that's going to get him the wins, he's going to go with that guy. There's no doubt about that. We've seen him do it before. And, yeah, the look, the defense is – you said it. It's a top-10 defense. It's better than that right now, actually, when you look at overall defenses. I think they're right close to around six. But, um, look, so all the credit to what happened today, is there some credit or – taken away because Cleveland just has a beat-up defense right now. No, not at all. No. The Patriots are winning games, um, and you say that they have a beat-up defense. They do, but what about their offense, Tim? Mm-hmm. Right? Nick Chubb came in. Uh, he's on target for 24 touchdowns and 2,000 yards, one of the best you know, running seasons we've ever seen. Uh, they only scored 15 points. I'm not saying that Jacoby Brissett's anything great, but they scored 15 points. What about Detroit the week before that? Detroit's not a good football team, but Detroit had the number one offense in the NFL going into there. Scored zero points. They frustrated Aaron Rodgers the week before that, right? Um, they shut down Pittsburgh completely. Shut down Miami. I mean, look, Miami only scored 20 when they were all, all, all healthy, right? So the only team that really had a lot of success against them was Lamar Jackson. This is a real defense. I don't care who is banged up today. The Zappy Show Roadshow continues. This time, though, they'll be in Foxborough next Monday night, Tommy. And your Bears come to town. The Pats, seven and a half right now, opening line. Well, here's the problem for Bill Belichick. And there's a major problem here. Bill Belichick, we all know what his MO is as a defensive coordinator right into being a head coach. He has said it many, many, many times. Everybody that's played him knows exactly what Bill Belichick is. He takes away your best weapon. Well, the Bears don't have a good weapon. So you're going to have to take away something. Uh, I don't know if the Bears score. As a matter of fact, I'm not sure that the Bears throw a pass in this game because why would you against this defense? I I think Bill Belichick is going to absolutely, utterly dominate this game from a coach's ability standpoint. Justin Fields takes too long to throw the ball, and he's confused out there all the time, and now he goes up against Belichick. They'll be able to run. I'm having a little fun with it. They'll be able to run some, because you can run on the Patriots, and that's what the Bears do best. And the Bears do play tight games. I mean, every game seems to be tight, but the coaching difference uh, between what we're going to see and the coach against quarterback difference between Justin Fields, who right now should not be a starter in the league, and Bill Belichick is going to be really pronounced. We were joking a couple weeks back about how the the Broncos, and I forget who they were playing, and this is how bad it was. It, it set football back because of the, the, the horrendous play. And then Thursday night happens, Tom, and you have the Bears in Washington and just an atrocity of a football game again. What What's going on with Chicago? I mean, this obviously is not what you expected coming into the season. You you weren't – you were on the on the fence with – could they be a playoff team? But really right now they're playing like a team closer to getting the first pick. Yeah, look, Tim, but but they're not, though. I, I mean, this is what I – I can't even say this isn't what I expected because it kind of is. I had said – I thought, you know, the over-under was set at seven early on. And I said I'm not going near it because I think they win six, seven, eight games. That, that was my area. If things didn't go so well, six – I think that they could have won seven games, maybe push for a wild card spot if Justin Fields really grew up. But I wasn't convinced that he really was going to completely grow up. And my big fear was in the middle of the season, they would trade away all their assets, guys like Robert Quinn, uh, maybe a Roquan Smith, which I'm still fearful of, by the way. They have two wins where 
Tim, they, they, they very easily could be four and two. I mean, they could be. Uh, they played the Giants, and there was that fumble at the end of the game. Last week, or, I mean, just Thursday night against Washington, that was a very winnable game. They're inside the one-yard line, what, three or four times. So I, I think that this is going to be the Bears team. I think that this is what you are looking at with a developing team. They are going to play close games that are moral victories, but getting in the W column is going to be a little bit more difficult than we thought. When the line came out at seven, people jumped on the under. It quickly went to six. It quickly went to five and a half in some spots. And even at five and a half, I never took the over, Tim, because I didn't have the confidence in them. What I knew about them, and I sat down with Rob Mish, and we gave the the Bears preview for the Chicago Sun-Times, and I said to Rob, Rob, it's all going to be about the Bears running game. I think that both of these guys are going to be studs. I told them all about all about Herbert, which I liked a lot. I said, Khalil Herbert and Montgomery, they're going to run, 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 run. And if they run effectively, Justin Fields is going to be able to pull that out and use the play action. All I saw was them running effectively, effectively, effectively. But when you run the ball and you're a one-dimensional offense, which the Bears are, it's going to be hard to get W's, especially W's on the road which where they're 0-3, especially W's where it's not raining and it's not played that way. You can't make mistakes. If you're going to be a running team with a two-headed attack, you have bad quarterback play, you simply can't make mistakes. The Bears have been making mistakes. Bears 0-3 on the road, like you said, at New England next Monday night. Tommy, both teams, top 10 right now, defensive teams in the NFL. Could we be leaning towards an under? Yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, the Patriots are at home. I I just think, look, we can be leaning towards the under, absolutely. But could you see this being, you know, a 31-10 Patriots win? Yeah, I could. Right? 28-13? Yeah, there you go. Both of those are overs. So I, if, if you like the Patriots, you might want to take Patriots and the under and hope for the split. You know, and hope for, uh, well, hope for 2-0, but you might get the split. I don't think that this is going to be a Bears explosion offensively in any way, shape, or form. That's Tom Barton, Tim Munglesby, Mateo with us. He's going to take us on into our first time out here on a Sunday night. On the other side of the break, more week six of the NFL Monday Nighter. We have the Chargers and the Broncos. And, of course, at hour two, we're going to talk some Major League Baseball as the playoffs are creeping into the semifinal status. One more game to go. We'll break that all down for you here in the next hour and a half. It's E-Wave Sports, Fox Sports Radio. And we're back, E-Wave Sports, Super Sunday Night. And Tom, here's where uh, we come into the the holiday portion of the show. Going to be bumped a couple times coming up uh, and throughout the holidays as well for the rest of the year. But we've always expected that. We're always going to keep you up to date uh, when the show will be on. And, and of course, follow us over on social media at HW Sports at Tom Barton Sports, where we give out, you know, you especially on yours page, Tom, you give out quality, just tidbits of information that. You can use however you want to use it, but it's all there for you, Tom. I think it's great how you just always constantly put things up there that are um, – if you don't wager on sports, that's fine. You know, it's still information that makes you think. Yeah, I always try to 
think of it like, you know, every sports fan has has an angle why they're liking sports. Might be to root for a team, might be to root for a player, might be fantasy, might be sports betting, right? I mean, it's going to be for anything. So you can take anything that I do or I try to make anything that I do, unless I'm just complaining and, and, and stuff, uh, to be to be kind of universal. I mean, think about it like this, Tim. If I throw up a, a stat on Cooper Cup, for example, even though it's a betting stat, and I might say, hey, guys, you know what? I like uh, Cooper Cup over yards today. Well, here's why. And I, and I go, here's why. Can't you use that in fantasy too? Can't you use that yeah. in daily fantasy? Yeah. How about if you're a Rams fan? How about if you're a, a, a you know somebody playing him, the Panthers fan, you go, oh, man, we've got to try to keep him in check, though. Well, that's the number we got to keep him under. Y- you know, it's uh, sports fans are a unique bunch, and you can reach them many different ways. Most of us are sports fans that are casual betters, casual fantasy players. You have the hardcore fantasy guys, you have the hardcore sports betters, you have the crazy, you know, absolute one-team kind of uh, sports fan. But most of us are sports fans in general. We like a lot of teams. Most of us play some sort of fan- fantasy or prop plays. Most of us bet a little bit here or there. So it, it kind of touches all those areas. And you forgot even the frat boys in us. Tom, you posted a nice tweet up there the other night with the uh, Padre fans out at Petco. Uh, you know, if you want to see it, you can go see it. I'm not really going to explain it, but I thought it was quality content, my friend. I was, um, I, I was, you know, having having dinner and hanging out, watching the game at a friend's house, and uh, you know, they had uh, watching TV, and my my chair is obviously pointed towards the TV, and it goes by, and I'm with my wife, and, and another woman is there, and it goes by, and I go, whoa, I can't believe what I just saw at the Padres game. They're like, what, Tom? I said, I'm telling you, I, I it it was crazy. I'm not exaggerating. Abby's rolling her eyes. She's like, they wouldn't show that on TV. I'm like, yes. So my buddy gets up and goes, oh, hold on. We could rewind that. <laughs> and he rewinds the TV. And I said, yeah, there it was. They couldn't believe it. Nobody could believe it. And I said, yeah, now the cameraman's going to get in trouble because you, you kind of can't put that on there. I mean, it was it was blatantly <laughs> obvious, but it was beautiful. What was it a couple years ago? Again, I think you tweeted this out. It was a girl behind home plate and uh... – she flashed the picture. You remember that? Oh, was, in, yes. was that in Tampa? Yeah, yeah, or? I remember that. Yeah, that'll distract me. I'm going to be oh, honest. That'll distract me on the mound. Yeah, she um, <clears throat> she was not small-chested. Let's put it that way. So <laughs> he, he definitely didn't miss uh, that. You know what I mean? So if I'm you want to go check that out, go check out Tom Barton's sports. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> This motor through the rest of week six here in the National Football League. Ravens, Giants, Tom. Giants now 5-1, 24-20. They win at home. Uh, look, Ravens, uh, you might as well just put this on repeat of what I have to say every week. Ravens in control of the football game, fourth quarter, and they lose it at the end. Lamar today was all about Lamar. Two fumbles and a pick in the last three minutes of the football game. And a sure win becomes a sure loss. Ravens now 3-3. Three and three. Tim, this is a game that you're going to sit in the negotiations with Lamar Jackson and say, but you do this, right? I mean, for as much as you like Lamar, Tim, and as much as as talented as he is, this isn't the first time. He does this, Tim. These are things that he does. I don't want to say it's often. I'm going to stop myself from even saying it's often. But it's not shocking. 
right? It's not, oh my goodness, I can't believe that happened. No, I was watching the game, and I I, I think you could see the progression going on. I'm watching it. I'm going, uh-oh, it's getting away from Lamar. And you have two, three games a year that Lamar, it just gets away from him, and things unravel in a hurry. Here's the problem. While it was, it was Lamar that unraveled today, Tim, the Ravens have played six games this year. They have unraveled in three of them. They're not losing games because they're getting beat up. They're not losing games because the other play's playing crisp. The other team's just playing crisp football. They're not losing games like that. They're losing games because they completely and utterly fold like a cheap suit late in the game. They have a huge, huge lead, you know, and they and they they drop it two weeks in a row. Then they come back. Okay, nice game against Cincinnati, and now another complete choke job by them. And this time it was led by Lamar. I have seen too much of Lamar to say that this is a fluky thing because it's not. I, I've seen too much of this Ravens team to think that I could think that they would do big things this year where where they're going here. You know, I thought the Ravens had, had a good shot at doing big things this year. I thought that they had a chance at legitimately an AFC championship, maybe going to the Super Bowl. I believed that. I really did. Tim, this team has no... I don't know, no closeout game, no self-discipline. What do you want to call it here? Yeah, I think all of those things. And the problem the problem is, Tom, you said it, a sure win against the Dolphins, fourth quarter, they gave up 21, lost the football game last, last drive. Buffalo dominated the Bills until right at the end they gave Allen the opportunity. Based, that was off of a Lamar Jackson interception, by the way. He goes down, field goal, win the game. And then today we saw it again happen. He did lead them in a two-minute drive to a win over the Bengals last week. Other than that, it is a disciplined thing. And I think the problem is is that Harbaugh is a very disciplined guy. But I think he feels the pressure, Tommy. And the pressure is all enveloped in what Lamar Jackson is. And they made the mistake. I said this when, when they cut off the negotiations. You remember I said this on air. I said that was a huge mistake to let him play this season without something whether you're an owner and you don't want to pay the money or not, it's not going to matter, Tom. He could he could get hurt next week, not play another game, and he's going to sign a contract for some big money, whether it's in Baltimore or not. He's going to do it. Somebody's going to overpay for him, and that's just the situation. And now I think they're putting so much pressure on themselves that they're becoming known as the team, Tom, that can't close games out, and that's going to be a problem here as we get later into the season. Tim, is it fair to kind of label Lamar – what, you know, I mean, what he really is? Is it fair to say Lamar Jackson deserves to be paid because the market dictates he deserves to be paid? But I am looking at Lamar Jackson in a very similar vein to Kyler Murray as opposed to looking at Lamar Jackson in a similar vein to Josh Allen. Right. I think he's closer to Murray than he is to Allen. That doesn't mean I don't think he should get paid. I think the Ravens should pay him. I think the Ravens have to pay him. But I think that while people think that the jury's out on Lamar, look, I think that the jury is absolutely still there for Lamar Jackson. And it's not because he can't throw the ball. That was always the, the, the fun excuse. I've, I've poked at you on the air about that before. It's not necessarily that he can't throw the ball. It's that he doesn't have quarterback tendencies at times. And this was a perfect example. It takes a lot for a quarterback to completely and utterly boggle the game the way he did. Two fumbles, interception, you know, trying to run around. 
you're not going to see that. You're not going to watch, you know, Brady, even Rodgers, a Joe Burrow, a, 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 you know, even an Allen who likes to scramble or a Mahomes. You're not going to watch them with two fumbles late in the game trying to make things happen because their first instinct is to pass. But Lamar's first instinct is still not to throw the ball. Is it fair to label that still with Lamar Jackson after all this time? Yeah, I think you have to, right? Because it's kind of we're not we're not in a rookie year or a second year anymore. We're we're getting into year fours, five, six. You know, we're, this is establishing in the prime of your career. And you're right; he's closer to Kyler, better than Kyler, but he's closer to Kyler than he is to Josh Allen, who I think kind of sets the bar of of quarterbacks right now. But I, I wouldn't even again. How do you how do you compare him? You have to compare him to guys like Kyler Murray because they're totally different quarterback. He's not Josh Allen prototype, so. I think it's fair to label them that, absolutely. And I think that's just what it's going to have to be. And we have to live and die by that. And today we died by it, we being Raven fans. The problem is in the last three games, Tom, he's thrown three touchdown passes and four interceptions. The first three games, 10 and 2. Big, big difference. He's back down to earth. So where does he go for the next? Again, I'm going to use that six-week period here. These next six weeks are very important, not only for his, his contract coming up, uh, where he ranks in, in the lineage of quarterbacks right now, but more importantly, whether this team can make the playoffs or not. Tim, I'm going to say something to you that's going to really bother you. It's going to really bother you. It's going to really get you upset, but it's something to think about, and I want everybody out there to think about this too. I want you to to write in, write in at HW Sports and Tom Barton Sports over on Twitter. There are certain quarterbacks in the NFL that you're there to win Super Bowls, Right. And then there are certain quarterbacks that you're a placeholder. And then there's a very few that you go, look, they're going to win a lot of games, but they're not going to win a Super Bowl. They're going to win a lot of games. And I'm okay with that. Now, you're not going to say that out loud. Fans are certainly not going to agree with you. You're never going to hear a teammate say that. But an owner, even a front office, might say that. Well, if I get this guy, he's going to win me games. He's going to let me keep my job in the front office, um, even though I don't think he's going to win. There's a lot of guys in the history of the NFL that are like that. A lot of guys that right now are in the NFL like that. Do you do you really think that the Colts grabbed Matt Ryan thinking he could win a Super Bowl? No. The Colts grabbed Matt Ryan hoping to, hey, you know what? We, we could get pretty far. We could stay relevant. I mean, you know, you think that the – I know the Lions are not looking at a Super Bowl. You think that Jared Goff is a guy that they feel like can win a Super Bowl? No. You don't have to have that Super Bowl winning quarterback all the time. My problem is that Lamar Jackson is going to be paid like that. And I think that that's where Lamar sits. I had one. Look, I had one with – you guys are going to laugh. I had one with the Chicago Bears. Jay Cutler was that guy. There's not a moment that went by that anybody, including myself, ever thought Jay Cutler was a a guy that was going to go out there and win the Super Bowl. But he was going to win 10 games a year, right? I mean, he was going to be that guy. Kirk Cousins is the perfect example of that. Kirk Cousins is going to put yourself, you and the Minnesota Vikings, in a position to win the division every single year he's out there. But I don't think any of us really thinks Kirk Kirk Cousins has what it takes to win the Super Bowl. Tim, is Lamar Jackson that guy that he can win a lot of games, he can win division titles? But I think that management and the front office know he's never really a Super Bowl winning quarterback. It's hard to admit that when you're a fan. If, if I was a Kansas City fan, I'd say, you know what, Tom? I think you're absolutely right. That's that's the road we're on because he hasn't been able to do it. Look at look at his look at Lamar in the playoffs is a perfect example. 
Is it fair to say, I'll spin it back to you, though. Is it fair to say that until he does it, Josh Allen is still that guy? I don't think so because of this. Um, Allen has gotten as close as you could get, and he performed really well in a fluky situation last year, right? Allen, you you, you have guys like Aaron Rodgers that are, are their career is a failure because of the talent around you. Their, their career, Aaron Rodgers, you know, had all this talent. He's got one ring. It's one of the most disappointing careers, no matter how you look at it, of all time, okay? He's got one, and by the way, his one Super Bowl ring is a fluke anyway. Josh Allen could go and get to the AFC Championship game year after year after year. If you don't win, I don't look at Jim Kelly's career as a failure. He got there. He had good games there. Just didn't get over the hump. There's a difference between that and not really not really being that guy. We all think that Josh Allen has a chance to win the Super Bowl this year. I don't think many people thought that of Lamar Jackson. But Lamar Jackson's going to be in line for 10, 12 wins. I don't think there's ever been a time where in, in Lamar Jackson's career, even during his MVP year, where people said, nope, that's a good Super Bowl team. No, no. Usually they're going to be a long shot or they're on the outside or maybe they'll win a game here or there. They'll make some noise. I don't think the comparison is the same because of the expectations, because of what they're doing on the field. I mean, Josh Allen is going to lead his team deep into the playoffs, even though if he doesn't get there, it's not the same as putting him in place. I believe if you ask any football fan right now, they believe Josh Allen has what it takes to win the Super Bowl. I think if you asked 100 football fans right now, does Lamar Jackson has what it takes to win the Super Bowl? More than 50 are going to say no. And I agree because – both you and I pick Buffalo to win the Super Bowl. So obviously we're we, we think and we see that. Is Lamar st- take the stats out of it, Tom. Is Lamar closer to Dan Marino then? Guy that went there, he got lucky to get there in his fresh or first season. He didn't smell it again. But he was great at winning ten to twelve games a year, wasn't he? I think Lamar is is close to maybe not even as good as, but close to a Matt Ryan. Where, you know, Matt Ryan had his one beautiful year. And the year that he had the MVP type year, he took his team as far as he could drag that team. That's going to be Lamar. Lamar is going to have to drag his team for team success. And the times that that he's not there, he's just not going to get close. I mean, Matt Ryan has never struck me or really any NFL fan as a guy that, oh, yeah, you know what? That's a Super Bowl quarterback. Then again, I mean, you could say the same thing about Matthew Stafford uh, up until last year. So maybe it's a a change of location for him to get there. Look, I'll say the same thing about Deshaun Watson. People look at Deshaun Watson like, oh, yeah, that's the guy to do it. Deshaun Watson's the highest paid player in the NFL. Deshaun Watson is the highest paid player in the history of the NFL. Deshaun Watson is a guy that the front office in Cleveland was looking at and thinking, okay, he can win a Super Bowl. I'm looking at and going, I I don't even know if he's going to get you 10 wins a year. So, you know, it's not a slight to Lamar Jackson to not be that guy. But if we're honest with ourselves, I think he's more like a Matt Ryan. Ravens home against Cleveland next week. Tom AFC North, first place on the line. Ravens six-point favorite. <clears throat> uh, you know, I like the Ravens again. Um, you know, I mean, the, the Browns are a mess right now. I got to watch the injury report. You can run on the Ravens a little bit, so Chubb will have a decent game. Uh, but the, it's it's the Ravens' bounce back factor. 
I kind of like him. I think the line's a little inflated. I thought the line would be about four. Um, you know, so I, I, mean, I lean, I lean the Ravens, but I don't love them. Tim, let, let me ask you this: the, the last thing on Lamar, because it's on my mind. Lamar Jackson is, you know, getting a, he's not long in the tooth, but he's getting into those years where okay, you got to pay me now, and, and my game might start to decrease in two or three years. If I told you right now, and I set the number at two. Over under, how many AFC championships does Lamar go to for the rest of his career? I set the number at two, Tim. Let's do this. Matei, I know you have to hit the legal, so hit that for us, and I'll answer that question. All right, Tommy, read that one more time. I am going to. This is just me. It's not reading it. This is me. I'm setting Lamar Jackson's. AFC Championship game appearances, not wins, at two for the rest of his career. You're a Ravens fan. Over or under? I'm going to say over still. I have faith. <clears throat> I have faith. Now, granted, that means he has to sign the contract, Tom, at the end of the season. But I, th- I think just knowing the organization, r- regardless of Harbaugh's there or not, they're going to put money into this to it to, to be a, a playoff team every year whether they can get there or not that's the problem but i think he has a long career and i think he can get to two i, I really do and i know that's with Allen. i know that's with Mahomes. I, I understand all that burrow whoever whoever you want to throw in there i just and you think about it, right you think you say two that that should be no problem but it really is it's a big deal i don't know tom i, I would say two two for sure but maybe not more than that I, it's just tough. And I know a lot of people would say under. I said a good line right there, Tim. Yeah. How, okay. How many more does Burrow get to, right? Two. Maybe. Two total, including the one he's already has. I don't know if Burrow's making it to the next game with this offensive line. <laughs> True. True. Buck Steelers. <clears throat> Pittsburgh. A nice win today at home, Tommy. They're now two and four. Twenty eighteen, they limit Mr. Brady. Uh, look, pick it wasn't the picket show. He's out. Back to back to Trubisky, who led the game winning drive. I mean, uh, I, I guess for me to say Pittsburgh can't be as bad as they are, but they played better than Tampa today, and they got a win. This is one of the more inexplicable, unexplained, insane. Pull your hair out if you're an X's and O guy kind of game ever. I have zero explanation of how Pittsburgh played well today. And it's not that they won the game because that happens, okay? There's sometimes fluke turnovers. There's they, they, no, no, no. It's not that, that they won the game. It's how they won the game. Tom Brady came in averaging 50 passing attempts for the last two weeks, 350-plus yards passing each of the last two weeks. The Pittsburgh Steelers came in with the 28th-ranked passing defense overall. 29th ranked for touchdowns allowed to wide receivers overall, okay? These were the numbers coming in. They then lost Minka Fitzpatrick, their starting safety. They lost their starting cornerback, their backup cornerback, their nickel cornerback, and another cornerback. They played two guys off the practice squad today in the defensive backfield, and they won the game? against a passing team. You know, I thought if Pittsburgh really clamped down and just said, we're going to stop the run and make Brady's road all over the field, 
Yeah, you know, they're they're done. They're completely, completely done. They were just going to have to blitz Brady all day long and hope for mistakes. None of that happened. Pittsburgh lined up with their guys off the streets, the dude that was like stocking shelves last week. They lined up with them and they beat Brady, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and they beat them. They just beat them. I have no explanation from an X's and O's standpoint here, Tim, at all. This is one of the most unusual things I've ever seen. Okay, so how do they bounce back next week, week seven? Bucks, Tom, a 10-point favorite over Carolina. Well, Carolina passed the ball for about 34 yards today with P.J. Walker. I went on a rant this morning. I gave up my free play was the Panthers plus 11. Uh, they looked good early on, but I went on a rant saying, how much worse could P.J. Walker be than Baker Mayfield, who was leading the worst offense in the NFL? Well, I got my answer. Okay, much worse. He was he was terrible. How can you bet on the Panthers? You, you just can't. You can't bet on them. I did it today, and I'm kicking myself. But the Panthers are double-digit divisional home underdog. I mean, that's what it is. And maybe Mayfield comes back, and the Bucs have been totally out of sorts. As a matter of fact, the Bucs are 11-12 and 12 with Tom Brady against the spread on the road. So they don't cover well on the road. If I didn't watch that god-awful performance from the offense of the Panthers the last couple of weeks, but specifically today, I'd be all over the Panthers. Blindly, give me a division team at home getting double digits. Oh, absolutely. But you can't do it in the Panthers in this spot. I think the Bucks play really well. I just I can't lay 10 points with this team either. You're listening to Heatwave Sports, Fox Sports Radio Las Vegas, hour number two here on a Super Sunday night. You just talked about the Panthers now 1-5 as they lose 24-10 to the defending champion Rams. Tom, the Rams able to put some points on the board this week. They're now 3-3. Three and three. What a team they should beat. A team they certainly should beat, and a team they were losing to going into the fourth quarter. Yeah. I mean, the Panthers were beating them. The Rams' offense is broken. Now, Daryl Anderson gave them a little bit of a, a, a reprieve today. Allen Robinson showed up out of retirement. I thought he... You know, it's coming to Halloween. I thought he was like the ghost of Allen Robinson, but he did get a touchdown catch. They actually shut down Cooper Cup. His over-under today was 7.5 and, and 90. He got to 7 and 80. That's shutting Cooper Cup down. Uh, Matthew Stafford still looked bad. Matthew Stafford still looked hurried. Matthew Stafford still was on his back too many times. They Just not enough. The offense for the Panthers was just absolutely pathetic. And they just kept being kept giving short fields to the Rams. I am not making too much about this Rams uh, win at all. I think the Rams are a broken, broken team. The one good thing for the Rams, they get a bye week this week, which means McVay gets to go back into the lab and come up with something out of the break. Another pathetic offense right now, the Arizona Cardinals. Nine. They put up nine against Seattle on the road. You would have thought the Legion of Boom was back today. Uh Look, when Kyler Murray is your leading rusher as well as your leading passer, and a lot of those yards came in the fourth quarter trying to hurry up and get this team back into scoring position, which they did not do, you have problems. And Kingsbury, I think, Tom, when you talk about the proverbial hot seat, he's he's right there at the top of the list. Tim, Seattle had allowed 27 points, 27 points, 45 points, and 39 points in their four games. They give up nine. <laughs> nine. That's it. 
Nine points in the Cardinals. Cliff Kingsbury, you say he's on the hot seat. Kyler Murray. Oh, by the way, they just signed six and five-year extensions this offseason. They gave Cliff Kingsbury a six-year extension this offseason. Now, I have been anti-Cliff Kingsbury from the go, and you know that. I didn't think he should be head coach in the league. I have ripped him apart ever since. He has been a terrible head coach. He is bad. But the combination of him and Murray is even worse. Murray is averaging 5.7 yards per attempt in the air. It's one of the worst in the league. He cannot do anything. So they're trying to let him work with his legs a little bit more. He says he wants to do work with his legs a little bit more, but they still didn't do anything today. And all of this, well, you know what? They don't have Hopkins. That, that's all I keep hearing. Well, they don't have Hopkins. They don't have Hopkins. Yeah, uh, he's going to cure everything. No, he's not. He's not coming in here and revolutionizing this, this offense. Cliff Kingsbury is a bad head coach. Kyler Murray is not a good NFL quarterback. They don't have a competent NFL running back right now. Eno Benjamin is leading the way because of the Connor injury. Their offensive line is a mess. The Cardinals are a mess. How they competed with Philly last week is absolutely beyond me. They don't have Hopkins, and they probably don't have Hollywood Brown now either, Tommy. Looks like he's going to be out for a little bit. So how do you, I know you talked about it earlier in hour one. Are you looking at that Thursday night game? Are you looking at the Saints on the road? It's hard to take the Saints with all the injuries that the Saints have, but how do you how are you betting against this team? This team just has heart. I, I mean, look, you're talking about legitimately half of their offense is, is on the IL right now. They lost by four to the Bengals. They beat the Seahawks. They lost by three to the Vikings. They lost by one possession to the Panthers, 10 points to the Bucks, and they beat the Falcons. You have to take the Saints, Tim. You have to take the Saints. I don't care who's banged up. I, I'm not telling you to go out there and bet this game. It's a Thursday night game. Everything is terrible on Thursday night. We get it. Uh, but there's no way you could bet the Cardinals in this spot. Laying points with Kingsbury and Murray? No way. Hawks now 3-3 three and three with the Geno Smith-Kenny Walker show there offensively. Next up, road matchup at the Chargers who play tomorrow night. Or tonight, if you're really looking at it that way. Early line, Tom. Touchdown favorite are the Chargers, so the Hawks get seven on the road. Geno Smith has 1,502 passing yards and nine touchdowns already. Geno Smith has the number one passing rating in the NFL. Geno Smith has two wide receivers in Lockett and Metcalf that are very good. Geno Smith has Kenneth Walker Jr. Really good today, right? Or Kenneth Walker the third. Look really good today. We talked about in the offseason, I, I said, I think Seattle has the chance to be the worst team in the NFL. But one thing I love about them is their offensive line. I, I, I absolutely did. My big problem with the Seahawks was their defense. Okay, And their defense that lost Bobby Wagner. Their defense that lost K.J. Wright. Their defense that in week one lost Jamal Adams. Their defense had been getting beat up. I just, I just did it. 39 points, 45 points the last two weeks coming into this one. And... and Cardinals only put up nine? Nine? Look, I think that that was more of the fluky situation. I do like the Chargers' defense, but I think Seattle is, is in a position where they can kind of score on anybody. They, they have something working offensively. It's the defense that I do worry about. I don't think that they're going to be able to stop Justin Herbert. I don't think that they're going to be able to stop the Chargers. I'll lean the Seahawks with the points here, but I have to watch tomorrow night's game. It might be breakout time for this Chargers offense, and there's a chance that Keenan Allen will be back for that one. Minnesota's 5-1, Tom, 24-16 road win at Miami. Dalvin Cook, game winner with about three minutes to go in a 14-point fourth quarter for the Vikings to put the game away. Essentially, they did have to hang on a little bit there at the end, but they get the win. 
You get the win on the road. First place in the NFC North. I don't buy into this Vikings team, even though I picked them in the preseason. Remember, before the year began, I gave you guys two over-unders. I gave you the over for the Vikings and the over for the Eagles. I'm feeling pretty good, but I don't love this team. Look, they beat the Dolphins with a backup quarterback to a backup quarterback, right? They beat the Bears the week before that, barely beat the Bears. Beat the Saints with a backup quarterback, barely beat the Saints. They barely beat the Lions. I mean... You know, you can't be overly impressed with them. The the division might be won because of the pathetic schedule they've gone through. Lions, Saints, Bears, Dolphins. You know, and it's not going to get any harder. It's Cardinals and Commanders the next two weeks. Then they take on the Bills, Cowboys, Patriots, even the Jets for four in a row. So, I mean, it will eventually get get there. But for the next couple of weeks, the Vikings should roll. The Vikings are a better team than well, they have off this week um, coming up. But after that, coming out of the break, they got the Cardinals at home. That's a winnable game, and I think that they'll be almost a touchdown favorite there. Commanders after that, they'll be nearly a touchdown favorite there. I think the Vikings keep rolling, but they're still not the team that I think that people believe they are. Feature game of the afternoon of the week, I guess, if you really want to look at it. Everybody's looking forward to this one, and it, it played out fun, Tom. Buffalo goes to Arrowhead, and led by that guy again, Josh Allen, to Dawson Knox with a minute to go, deciding touchdown, 24-20. They beat up KC and get the win. Tommy Bills 5-1, and one, Chiefs now 4-2. and two. Josh Allen's the best player in football. I mean, just period, period. He's the best player in the NFL. That leap that he had at the end, Josh Allen's bigger than Cam Newton, right? Do you remember me telling you about that? Yeah, he's bigger mm-hmm. than Cam Newton, and he's doing things like even Cam is going, yeah, that's more athletic than I've ever seen. Uh, he was not going to be let down today. This is the first time um, Patrick Mahomes has ever been an underdog at home, and it took every bit of Josh Allen to go out there and get that win. You said it. It was another classic. Early on, it was defenses. Early on, it was mistakes by the quarterbacks. These teams are just well-rounded teams. It's not just Allen against Mahomes. It's well-rounded teams. You know, The announcer made a funny comment today, and I think it was Aikman, where he said, you know, the new rivalry is being born, where we used to sit back and go, okay, when is Manning against Brady coming on? The problem with that is that the Colts generally during that time of Manning against Brady were Manning and nobody else, right? They didn't have a defense really. You had a couple of the Super Bowl years here and there, but generally speaking, it was it was just that. Look, this Bills and Chiefs team are well-rounded. They can play defense. They can run the ball. They have a lot of different weapons out there. So it's not just, you know, Mahomes against Brady. Uh, or Mahomes against uh, Allen, but it's kind of turning into that. And Josh Allen, who has not won anything yet, is starting to become kind of the fan favorite. I don't know where the shift happened to him, but the Mahomes, anti-Mahomes kind of conversation, people are loving Josh Allen. And that all of a sudden, he's starting to become a must-watch TV kind of guy. He did it again today. He gave us highlight reels. He gave us a late game. He's great for ratings, so we're going to see him on TV a lot. Josh Allen has become that guy, and I just think that it's the special year for him. I think this is the MVP year, the Super Bowl year, Super Bowl MVP year. I think it's all kind of coming together. Sometimes you see it come together for guys, and you could watch it from afar. We watched the Mahomes year where he won, and you go, oh, it's coming together for him. This is certainly coming together for Allen, and he proved it today. Bills off in week seven, Kansas City on the road at San Francisco. Field goal, Chiefs field goal favorite. I find it very hard to believe that the Chiefs are going to lose two games in a row. 
Um, the Niners are banged up defensively. If the Niners had Bosa back, and if they had, you know, their, their four guys that they lost today back, I'd probably be saying, hey, you know what? I'll take the Niners plus the field goal in what I think is going to be a close game. Chiefs coming off of a loss, taking on a depleted defense, and, and now a 49ers running game that they, they did not go to Wilson today. Yeah, no, I'm looking at the Chiefs and I'm saying, I just don't think they lose two games in a row. And the Sunday nighter, Philadelphia, still undefeated. Tom, 6-0, and 26-17 win over Dallas, who drops to 4-2. and two. And here we go. Eagles, uh, when, when, do the, when do the odds come out, Tom, that they will finish the season undefeated? Probably, like, after eight weeks. Yeah. I'm thinking about uh, that, that week eight matchup, uh, you know, whoever, whoever they face there. They're on a bye week this week. Okay, so let's see how far they can go. Bye week this week. Come off the bye week, they got the Steelers, right? Yeah. Uh, there you go. Seven and zero. After that, Washington. Oh, I'm sorry. After that, the Texans eight and zero. After that, Washington nine and zero. After that, the Colts probably ten and zero. Packers at home eleven and zero. Titans at home twelve and zero. At the Bears at the Giants thirteen and zero. Fourteen and zero. Tim, can we be looking at 14-0 going to the Cowboys on Christmas Eve? Because after that, you got the Saints and Giants at home. This is an Eagles team. I bet on their over team over under because of this ridiculous schedule. I bet on that for that. But now, even now, I'm stunned at what this can be. I'm not saying undefeated, Tim, but we could be looking at a one or a two loss type of team. One game that involves two by teams next week also involves the Raiders, Tom. Back here in Vegas, Houston coming to town, and the Las Vegas Raiders will be a touchdown favorite in that football game. Be careful about this. Lovey Smith is a good scheme type of coach. Lovey Smith is a guy that makes life frustrating for opposing defenses. Lovey Smith has got a decent Houston team right now that could cause some problems. And everybody in the world is going to be on the Raiders, and they should be. Raiders look good before the break, I guess, at times. and They have all the talent in the world. But this is a, a Houston Texans team that completely and utterly confused the Jaguars. They only lost by 10 to the Chargers, right? Um, they lost to the Bears and shouldn't have lost that game. They lost to the Broncos, shouldn't have lost that game. Tied with the Colts. I mean, you have Alan Pierce, uh, who is is running wild back there. Davis Mills is fine. You have Cooks. You have Collins. I, I'm looking at this Texans team as a dangerous out for the Raiders. And I think most people looking at the Raiders and going, okay, they're going to come out of the break. They're going to bust out. Who do you want scheming for you for two weeks to get ready for this game? Do you want Lovey Smith and the defensive scheming? Or do you want McDaniel? who hasn't been able to coach his way out of a paper bag. Yeah. And already I'm, <clears throat> I've been hearing the Raiders are going to blow them out, which they may do, right, Tom? They may do that, but I'm kind of with you. You have That's to err on the side line. of caution. Yeah. Monday night or tomorrow, AFC West, Broncos, Chargers. Broncos 2-3, and three, Chargers 3-2. Three and two, And the Chargers are 4.5-point favorite at SoFi tomorrow night. If the Broncos were healthy, I'd be all over the Broncos here. But like I said, they lost their middle linebacker. They're down a cornerback. And Russell Wilson's shoulder looked bad last week, and now he got an injection. He's going to try to play through it. 
this should be the Melvin Gordon game for them. Melvin Gordon has a revenge game going up against his old team. Melvin Gordon's looking over his shoulder, and he sees Latavius Murray be brought onto the roster. He's looking over his shoulder, and he sees Mike Boone kind of becoming the pass-catching guy. This should be run all day. Don't let Russ cook. The problem is all that we've seen from the Broncos coaching staff is we're going to put the ball in Russ's hands, and we're just going to let Russ throw it all over the field. In the same respect, this should be an Austin Eckler running game. We look at the Broncos – they absolutely are tremendous against the pass. They are one of the best, if not the best team against the pass. As a matter of fact, they rank third overall against the pass. You can run on them a little bit, though, but this Chargers team doesn't commit to the run. Austin Eckler's looked fantastic the last couple of weeks. Whoever decides to just say, we are going to run the ball down your throat, wins this game, Tim. If the Chargers can take their ego, step it back, and just say, we're going to just make this the Austin Eckler show, you're going to get the win, and they're going to get a convincing win. And if the Denver Broncos say, look, Russ is too banged up, we're going to let this be the Melvin Gordon show, they're going to get the win. Whose ego is going to be able to put it, be put aside quicker? Is it going to be Herbert and what Staley does there in, in you called it San Diego and Los Angeles? Or is it going to be Russell Wilson taking a step back? It's not going to be Russell Wilson, guys. I think the Chargers get a win. Do, do you buy into the, <clears throat> the rumors that – we, we know Hackett obviously has to be on this hot seat, but is Staley on one too? Not yet. I mean, not in order to fire somebody in the middle of the season, you've got to look at them and say, I'm going to bring in somebody that, that can do something this year or I want my replacement for the next couple of years. Chargers are above 500, right? I mean, you know. They're three and two. They win this game, Tim. They're four and two. That that's a great record in the NFL. They lose. They're still five hundred. I mean, the Chargers are a team that maybe they had Super Bowl aspirations, and a lot of people I know that you thought that they did. Um, but overall, uh, look at their schedule. Look at who they have coming up. Why would you fire them now if they're going to be? Let's just say if they lose this game, they're three and three. It's three and three. Now you go and you start burying this team. You start begging, costing this team maybe a playoff run. Maybe he's on the hot seat, but I don't think he is. I've never thought he was a good coach. I mean, I've talked to you about that for years. I've never thought he was a good coach, but I don't think he's hot seat material. Not yet. Yeah, I didn't agree with it either. I, when I saw the rumors, I was like, I, I just don't get it. Why are they on the hot seat? <clears throat> they win this week. They're four and two. They're right there with Kansas City in the, in the lead of the division. And you haven't had Keenan Allen since week one. That that has to play into a couple of those losses, I would think, because the offense has just been stagnant. Tim. There's one team. There's one team in the AFC that has better than a four and two record. That's the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, exactly. So you're gonna fire the guy with the second best record in the AFC? No way. No way. Clickbait, right, my friend? Clickbait. Yes, it is. He wave sports super Sunday night. We're gonna take our final time out and move over to the diamond to close this show out. Big game five tomorrow. We'll start off with that on the other side of the break. Fox Sports Radio, Las Vegas, 98.9 FM, 1340 AM. Major League Baseball playoffs in full effect. Three teams have clinched berths in the semifinals. Championship series, if you want to call them that. We got one spot left, and that'll be tomorrow night. Decided tomorrow night, 
at Yankee Stadium, Tommy, as your boys win tonight 4-2 to two behind it. Just a, a gem of a performance by Garrett Cole. Gets him to the the elimination game five. First, talk about tonight's game, man. Yeah, look, it was an absolutely great game if you're a Yankee fan. Everything wound up working out the way that you wanted. They said in the beginning of the game, they kind of alluded to it, that you had to get a deep start out of Garrett Cole. You just had to. You had to go out there and you had to watch Cole perform really well. Well, I said it before, time. I've always been more of a Cole fan than kind of any real Yankee fan out there. I mean, the Yankees have been rather hard on Garrett Cole, not me. I think he's a true ace. He has proved it. This postseason, he's got two starts. He's got a 2.03 ERA. He has been absolutely shut down and fantastic this postseason. Today, again, same thing. Look, he's going to give up a big home run. Um, Garrett Cole does that. He gives up, you know, but let's just make it a solo shot. You look at Garrett Cole, seven strong innings, two runs allowed, struck out seven. He was on top of his game. The offense, Harrison Bader has become a real player here. Um, you know, you still need something from Judge. You didn't really get a lot from Judge. But listen, he got the key run scored. And don't just kind of brush that aside. One for, one for four, run scored. That's fine. Only 1K. Rizzo came up big with two hits. Um, Torres had a big hit. Harrison Bader had the big home run, of course. So I like the shakeup. You know, the, the thing about what I liked about today's game uh, was – they knew what what needed to be done, and they got the little things done, right? Giancarlo Stanton still has not gotten going. Aaron Judge has still not gotten going. They can't get anything from the bottom of the lineup. Trevino did nothing again. Aaron Hicks did nothing again. Cabrera, who, you know, is filling in for IKF, did nothing. And, and it's fine. It's okay because you come away with a win. There's got to be a time that Stanton breaks out. He's getting a lot of uh, heat pulled off him because of Aaron Judge. But it was, a, it was a Garrett Cole game. And if you go into the game knowing, okay, it's going to be the Garrett Cole game, that's what it was. Seven innings, 200 runs, uh, one walk, eight Ks, not seven, eight Ks. Really just that one silly solo home run. If not, Garrett Cole, th- this is a tremendous game. But he's got a 2.03 ERA in the playoffs. This is what you want out of your race. Going into tomorrow now, what you did was you saved the bullpen. I don't love tomorrow's pitching matchup, okay? Aaron Savali. He's a gas can. The Yankees have got to break out their Yankee bats and beat this guy up. But at the end of the year, you know what? He's only going five innings, but he was only giving up about two runs in each one of those games. So he could keep them kind of in the game. Jameson Tyon going for the Yankees. You look at Tyon and you go, same sort of thing. At the end of the year there, he was only going about five, six innings or so. He's had a little bit of a problem with the home run ball. Don't worry about that. Usually with Cleveland, they don't hit the home run ball. This game, to me, Tim, is not going to be decided in the first five innings. I think Savali and Tyone keep their teams in the game. 2-2, 3-2 type of game going into the sixth, going maybe even into the seventh. It's going to be decided late. What Garrett Cole did today was he gave the Yankees life. They're back in New York. What he did was he gave the bullpen some life. Cole and Tyon, part of the Pirate Exchange, back-to-back here, games four and five. Are you worried? Tyon roughed up Friday night in that loss. No, here's why I'm not worried, because they'll just yank him. You know, Tim, I mean, they'll they'll, they'll just – they'll pull him out as soon as possible. Um, I'm not 
worried because of that. Because it, it, it's just going to be, all right, well, you know what? Tyone's in there, just, just yank him out of the game. <laughs> right? I mean, yeah, you know, he's giving up two runs, just, just pull him out. Who cares? Just pull him out. I, I think that, honestly, that that's the reality why I'm not in a bad way here, just because they, I know the quick hook is coming. Yankees will be about a dollar fifty over under seven and a half, Tommy. I think it's a good line. I mean, the Yankees are at home. They are the better team. Um, I, I'm terrified of this Cleveland bullpen, though, Tim. I'm terrified of it. The Cleveland yeah. bullpen has just been locked down. I've talked about it all year when all these morons were doing the Timmy Trumpet thing and talking about Edwin Diaz, and I'm like, you know, short-sightedness is, is just a killer because – Emmanuel Classe has been the best reliever in baseball for a few years running now. And Emmanuel Classe was clearly the best reliever in baseball this year. He's being set up by, uh, you know, Karachak, who is fantastic. Eli Morgan's good in that bullpen. Stevenson, uh, Steven is good in that bullpen. I worry about that. I don't think the Yankees are scoring. Yeah, it, they got a 7-8-9 that I just don't like. I, I don't think the Yankees are scoring in the 7-8-9. That gives you a very small window. They either have to blow up Aaron Savali, who I don't think is in, in danger of getting blown up. He might not pitch well, but I don't think he's going to get blown up. So they, they have an opportunity to either blow up Aaron Savali and, and get to him, or you're going to be in a position where you're going to be scrambling late against a really good bullpen. Let's not stop there. Let's look at the other matchups. Tuesday will be... Game one of the National League Championship Series, Phillies and the Padres, Tom. Who would have thought, huh? It, it's it's just ridiculous. I, I mean, it, it's <laughs> the Padres being here. It, look, you can't get, take anything away from them. 100 wins. They beat 101-win Mets team, and then they beat a 100-win Dodger team, right? Um, so, I mean, they certainly earned their spot. But who you said who would have thought it, it is kind of ridiculous that we are getting this matchup. Now, I did tell you about Philly. I liked Philly before the year. I liked Philly uh, during the season. I liked Philly the day Bryce Harper got hurt. I said, man, if they can just maintain. Why? Because I like Nola and I like Wheeler. And I think that one, two is a dynamic combination that I don't think San Diego can beat these two. I don't think that San Diego is in any kind of position to go out there and to beat up on Philadelphia early in the game. The bullpen certainly leans to San Diego. And the starters are not bad. They're just not Nola and Wheeler. So they're going to have to lean on what that is, you know, and that is Nola and Wheeler. I know everybody's kind of into the slam Diego nonsense and all that. The reality with San Diego is people like them because they're flamboyant, because they're this. But the Philadelphia Phillies have been playing better baseball than anybody in baseball outside of the Dodgers for the last two months. The Phillies have everything you want when you go into a series like this. Frontline pitching, not one, but two pure aces. You have a huge guy in the middle of the order in uh, Bryce, uh, Bryce Harper who can do everything. You have the National League home run leader as well, and a guy like Castellanos, and guys like Gene Segura that do the little things. I think Philly's the, well, the more well-rounded team, even if they're not more talented, if that makes sense. I'm a guy, Tim, I always lean with starting pitching. I always go with what I think gives you the distinct advantage. And you can't sit here in any way, shape, and form and tell me that Nola Wheeler 1-2 should not be the favorites in each one of those games. So if you like them 1-2 in those games, how do you not take them for the series? I think Philly gets by on the backs of just superior pitching. 
in the, the books have adjusted to if you grab the Phillies like I know you did Tommy in the, in the in the series before with Atlanta you're making solid plus money in this one it's I saw a plus 110 I saw an even in other places to win the series so uh against the Padres so we know that they've adjusted here and I think for game one which will be at Petco and it's going to be a great atmosphere you Darvish will get the ball for the Padres I assume it'll be Wheeler in game one they haven't announced yet but I'm assuming Wheeler he pitched game two last time out yeah, I would think so. Um, I, I mean, I look, I love, you know, I'm a guy that, that absolutely loves uh, uh, Aaron Nola. I think he's fantastic. But Wheeler should get the start. I mean, that, that's mm-hmm. just reality. He, he deserves to get this start. And I think he will get the start. What about the losing teams? Uh, Atlanta and L.A. I think Atlanta's fine. They just they ran into a, a team that was hot at the time and just they beat them. They straight out beat them. I think there's a lot more problems when you're in a 111 win Dodger team, right, Tommy? With that payroll, it seems like it. I mean, you, you know, the Dodgers can point to quite a few things, though, Tim. The Dodgers can point to the idea that we didn't have Walker Bueller, and that is a, when you have an embarrassment of riches like the Dodgers. That's something that people are going to go, "Oh, come on," you know. Uh, are you really going to blame it on Wheeler? You know, is that really where you're going to go with it? And you go, yeah, yeah, kind of is, guys. Sorry, yeah, I, I, that is kind of where I'm going with this. Uh, you know, I didn't have Walker Bueller. I didn't have that guy. I didn't have that number one, and he is a number one. Look, Julio Urias pitched like a number one, and Clayton Kershaw at this point in his career is a number two. You can live with what he did. I like Tyler Anderson. He had a great year. But he's not the guy that you want in a deciding game. He, he wasn't how the Dodgers envisioned this thing. I think that the Dodgers had problems in the preseason, Tim, that we pointed to we not us not liking the bullpen. We didn't like Kimbrell. We thought that uh, a couple of these guys, like Greaterall, were a little too young and unproven. Brent Phillips uh, you know, comes in, or, or uh, not Brent Phillips, uh, Phillips comes in and he looks good, but still young and unproven, a, a cast off from the raise he was. I think that that's the problem when you build these dream teams and you, everybody knows a fantasy football manager that goes, oh, look what I got. I got the best players at every position. You go, man, you got no bench. Somebody gets hurt, you're done. And every year somebody gets hurt and they're done. I don't want to say the Dodgers didn't have a bench, but but they, they never addressed their bullpen the way that I thought that they should have. They really, I still can't tell you who the closer was going to be. I still can't tell you who the eighth inning guy was going to be. Um, once Blake Trinan got injured, that really set them into a tailspin. So, weirdly, they had more pitching than they knew what to do with, and it was their pitching that kind of came unglued for me. When you look at, so, when they were going through this run in the in the regular season, and we talked about the starting all starting in the All Star game, Tony Goslin, right? And, and you mentioned Tyler Anderson. We both said it, it was like. That, this is great. This is a great story for these guys. But where are we going to be in October with these guys? And we kind of saw where we are, right? You know, and yeah, I, I mean, this this is it. I, I don't I don't think that you could have bet against the Dodgers and made a, a, a good solid claim. I don't think anybody was going out there and saying, "Okay, here's why the giant Dodgers are going to stink this year." You know, that that was not nothing. Nobody's doing that. But you certainly took pause in just anointing them. And I, I do believe during our previews, I, I sat back and I said to you, you know, Tim, I, I can see him win 100 games again. That doesn't mean a championship's coming. 
right? I mean, there are certain teams that are just that team. They are built for the regular season. And in baseball, more than any other sport, there are certain teams that are just built for the regular season, certain teams that are built for the postseason. We're watching it with this Guardians team, right? I mean, the Guardians team is built for the postseason. It just is. Tremendous back end of the bullpen. True ace starter in Bieber. Uh, they take the extra base. They, they don't make mistakes. I mean, bloop singles all over the place. They're built for the postseason. The Dodgers are a bunch of just stars thrown together and hoping that their talent wins out. Over 162-game season, I still believe that you need more than just pure talent. I still believe that when you turn around and you look at a team, they have to become a team. They have to have moments. They have to gel together. I don't think this team ever did gel together. You know, just off the top of your head, Tim, you know, I mean, who is the Dodgers starting second baseman? I mean, who, who is he? Because there was about five guys there this year, you know? What about the lineup? We're going to move Taylor here. We're going to bring this guy in here. Well, Barnes is going to sit today, but Trace Thompson is going to bat tomorrow. That stuff gets to a team. It really does. I I just, I I still will say the Dodgers fantastically built for the regular season. They, uh, They have everything you want, but I just didn't see the continuity. They are a bunch of thrown together stars and that's talented that doesn't mean it's winning thrown together stars with a subpar manager last year brian snitker outmanaged dave roberts in the nlcs dave roberts is a disaster he's always been a disaster and bob melvin again outmanaged him plain and simple the the decisions that dave roberts made last night just head scratchers really are Dave Roberts is, and I've said this for a few years, one of the worst managers in the in, in Major League Baseball. He is living on on a team that is massively, massively, massively overpaid, massively over talent. You know, and you can be over talented, and Dave Roberts is living on that. That's the reputation we're giving him. Dave Dave Roberts is not a good manager. So I want to to read this tweet to you, Tom, real quick. I sent it to you earlier tonight, and I also retweeted it. So I want to give credit where credit's due. This is from Angel Suck again, S-Z-N, haha, pretty funny. He's an Angels fan, but he tweeted this out earlier. With the Dodgers elimination last night, the Los Angeles Angels are still the only SoCal MLB team to win a full season World Series in the 21st century. How about that, Dodger fans? Yeah, we, we don't count those those ridiculous uh, you know, 2020 <laughs> championships. Sorry. Right, right. So that'll be your NLCS uh, starting Tuesday. Phillies at the Padres, best of seven. Let's head on over to the American League. It is best of seven, right, Tom? Now that we're in the championship Yeah, now series. it's best of seven. Okay. Wednesday will be game one of the American League Championship Series. It'll be hopefully Tommy's Yankees. At Houston to take on the Astros, who swept through Seattle 3-0, even though technically it was an extra game last night. So we'll say the Astros 4-0 win over Seattle. And already announced for game one, Tom, Justin Verlander will be on the mound. Yeah, look, I mean, if it is the Yankees, um, this is the team that, that the Yankees want this so badly. Because this is the Astros team that cheated their way to a championship. Is the Astros team that knocked the Yankees out during the year where, you know, everybody thought that the Yankees had a chance that year. It was a magical run. It was a magical season, and they ripped it away from them. They won it badly. And I think that they're going to get the Astros at the right time here. Um, 
whether it be the Guardians or the Yankees. I don't think that the Astros are this unbeatable machine that people are making them out to be. Justin Verlander showed. Look, he's coming back from his arm surgery. No one's pitched this many innings after arm surgery. He showed everybody, you know, maybe maybe he's not infallible, right? The bullpen showed cracks in the armor. Presley didn't look good, and there, there were problems during the year with him. I'm poking holes in a machine, and that's what I'm doing here. But I see enough holes that I say, yeah, these teams, both of them, have a chance. Both of them have a chance because they have things that are better than the Astros. And there are positions and points that are just flat out better than the Astros. I, I think Cleveland has a chance, a fighter's chance, because their bullpen is just superior. And I think the Yankees go toe-to-toe with the Astros in almost every metric that you look at. How do you say if the Yankees win tomorrow and and hopefully it doesn't go into these one of marathon games where they have to just abuse the pen and use a back end starter to, to eat up innings, but hopefully they get the job done if you're a Yankee fan and you move into game one. Looking at the rotation and the way it sets up for the best of seven, I assume you have to go back to Cortez for game one. Yeah, Cortez will be game one. And you have to you gotta feel comfortable about that. Mm-hmm. Um I think that they would probably give Severino game two with a short hook. You know, you expect four good innings, five, maybe five out of, out of Severino. And then you bring in Cole for game three, which means Cole would also be able to go game seven. Yeah. So it lines up the way that they would they would want the ace first game at Yankee Stadium and then the deciding game on the road. You want the guy that's the, the best pitcher in baseball, right? You want him there. Yeah, I, I mean, personally, I think that, that Aaron Boone would want Cole to go game one only because he could bring him back for you know for game seven if he needed to. We've seen Randy Johnson do that in the past. We've seen uh, we've seen guys come back and do that, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, having having Derek Cole first game in Houston, a mound he's used to, a clubhouse he's used to, a place that he's used to, and then you know to to sit back and go. Actually, no, Tim, they're going to be in Houston first. Yeah, they're in Houston first. No, so they're going to be – so Garrett Cole would get to start game one back in New York. That means Cortez. Now, that changes some things. If there's a way – I'm trying to think. So what? when is game two going to be, Tim? Is it going to be Thursday? Thursday, yeah. Yeah, there's no way. Okay. I'm trying to think. Was there a way that Garrett Cole could start game two? But there, there's not. Because, you know, it's, it, it's already Sunday, so he's going to get Monday off, Tuesday off, Wednesday off. Thursday off. He'll be on regular five days west, uh, you know, rest on Friday. Um, so, yeah, no, a, a cold start in game three. I was really open. Yeah, I, I like I like the idea that somebody starts on a mound that they're really comfortable with, especially a guy like Garrett Cole uh, that you look at and you go, he's a creature of habit, obviously. So, yeah, yeah, that's – I don't like that. I, I, don't, I don't love it. I mean, look, it's not changing my prediction that the Yankees can play well. Um, but yeah, Thursday is going to be game two. Then I guess Friday would be, there's no travel day there. The, the travel day would be Friday. Okay. Wednesday, right. Thursday. Uh, yeah. So Cole's actually going to pitch on, on extra rest then. Yeah. And I would assume, right, Tom, even you would want him pitching game three, because even if you're down to nothing, you're home. And that's the guy that gets you back on track rather right. than him pitching a game two on the road and, and winning. So you're up one, say it's 1-1 one, one, or even 2-0. Uh, 
Um, yeah, I, I would assume I would rather have Cole pitch one, uh, three and seven. Even if we could go two, I wouldn't put him in two. And if the Guardians go, they, they have rested and they will not use Shane Bieber tomorrow. They already right. said that. So if they go, they get Bieber in game one. Bieber against Verlander game one. Gives him a fighting chance. <laughs> if it, if it's a close game tomorrow and um, say it goes into extras, Bieber becomes available at that point because you've already used through Class A. So I, a, I think you have to. You know, they, they talked about it during the game today that – they won't do it. He, you know, he's a young kid. I don't want to ruin his career. They talked about all that. I think they have to. I think if you got a chance to go and you're you're Cleveland, you you've got to go. Yeah, there's there's no way you don't use him, right? You know, one of those one of those funny conversations they were having here, Tim. Um, and it struck me funny quickly, and then I I turned around. And I said, No, you know what? I think we do have to have that conversation. Is Garrett Cole a Hall of Famer? I don't think he is yet, but I think it's worth starting to talk about, right? I mean, it was a good conversation to have. They they threw it out there and really didn't, I, I don't know, they didn't dig into it the way that I wanted to. But you start to look at Garrett Cole right now, you know, 130 wins, 3.23 ERA, 1.10 whip, career. He's got 1,930 Ks. I know he's still young. You know, he's young enough here. He's 32 years old. Let's say you give him four more years as 36. He'll probably pitch five or six more years. He's going to get to 3,000 Ks, right? I mean, he should get to 3,000 Ks. He should get to 200 wins. Tim, I think he's a Hall of Famer in the making. I don't think he's done that, done it yet, but he's not far off. Yeah, I don't, I don't think he's there yet, but... Look, there's guys. We we already we we have this discussion every every uh, summer when they get when these guys go in, guys that we don't feel should be in there. I think I think on the pace he's definitely in and deservedly. Now, granted, winning the World Series this year is going to help him a lot. Sure as hell will help him a lot, Tom. But I think he's he's on the right track for sure. Yeah, when they made the comment, my, my initial reaction because you know how I am with the Hall of Fame. My initial reaction was, mm-hmm. "All right, calm down, guys. He's not a Hall of Famer." <laughs> you know, come on. And I said, wait a minute. Actually, he's the best pitcher of my generation right now. Uh, he's putting together a really nice postseason run again this year. He's got, you know, about a two and a half ERA overall in the postseason. He's got that for him. He's got strikeout titles. He, he's got he's got everything you want. And I'm going, wow, Garrett Cole might be a Hall of Famer. Eating up some time here at the end of the show. How about this? If it's Yankees-Astros, which we're assuming it's going to be because that's what everybody wants to see. We said it at the beginning of the season during our preview show. It's Yankees and the Astros in the in the ALCS. Besides Verlander and Judge, there isn't another Hall of Famer on both rosters, right? Oh, Ooh, that, that, is, that is good. Um, I, I think people are going to argue that Altuve should be. I don't. <laughs> I don't. People will argue that. Could you could you squeeze a Rizzo or a Stanton in there? I don't. I don't think so. Um, look, Rizzo's a great ball player. He's the guy you probably epitome of, of a, a guy you'd want to put in there. But I think statistically, he probably falls short. Stanton, 
he's going to fall short just because he's, he's been banged up so much of in his career. Altuve shouldn't shouldn't be in there. He he got caught cheating. Number look, Bonds, Clemens are all sitting out there. He needs to stand sit out there with the rest of them. So who else is there really to put in there? I think Stanton's got a shot, Tim. And here's why. Because he's got he has some peak peak seasons, right? He's got a fifty nine home run season, he's got a thirty seven home run season. I mean, he's got a peak season. Guys up to three hundred and seventy eight home runs. You don't think that's standing in the neck? You remember he's got like a seven year deal. You don't think Stan's finishing with five hundred homers? I mean, gotta hit hundred and twenty two more home runs. I think I think I think he gets five hundred homers. What's the average in a year? About eighty games though? It's true. It's true. But if you think about it like this, if you just give him five more years at 25 homers, he gets there. Yeah. Yeah. If he get yeah, if he gets there, you, you put him in. Just look at all the guys that have hit 500. They're all in, right? Right. Well, I, I mean, with the exception got, of the, he's got to be in. So he, he's an interesting case because I don't watch Giancarlo Stanton ever in my entire career. I don't watch him and think Hall of Famer ever. Mm-hmm. But. He gets 500, he's getting in. Well, good luck to your Yanks tomorrow night, Tom. It's uh, I know you'll be on pins and needles watching it, but if you're a Yankee fan, maybe they can put them away early, right, Tommy, and not have to worry about it. So, I'm just hoping for the for the Ron reverse jinx to come out. It's fantastic. <laughs> Every single game he tells me, here's, here's where Garrett Cole blows the game again. As if it's yep. happened before. And Cole goes out there, pitches an amazing game. Or he goes, Aaron Judge done nothing. Aaron Judge gets a single, scores the run, right? The other night, Aaron Judge is terrible, hits a home run. So I'm hoping for the Ron Jinx. It's going to be fantastic. You think you'd catch on that when he says it before anything happens, it reverses. But when he said he usually waits till after they've already uh, the game's over or they've already taken him out of the game, you know, and then he says, like the other day, Judge had four Ks. He said after the fourth K, he said something, you know. It's when he does it, prefaces it beforehand is the when the jinx kicks in. So maybe you can egg him on a little bit earlier in the day and get him going. Yeah, this Derek Coke guy, is he's got to be a mess, <laughs> right? That was awesome. <laughs> awesome describes Tom Barton, though. Let everybody know about all the things you're doing right now, man. Listen, guys, I'll be the first one to, to say it. I had a rough NFL day today, but here's the thing. Another winning week. Real good in college football. Got two and a half start to the NHL season, Tim. You know how that is. I got an NHL game up for tomorrow as well. Go check me out at TomBartonSports.com. It's TomBartonSports.com. TomBartonSports over on YouTube. Go check out the podcast, Wagering Week, and Believe in Betting on the Believe Podcast Network. Have a good night, everybody. Tom Barton, TomBartonSports.com. We're off next Saturday for Vegas Golden Knights Hockey, but back on Sunday for your Super Sunday Night edition of the show. Special thanks to Mateo tonight for stepping in and hanging with us. For Tom, for Mateo, Tim Ungles, we have a great sports week. We'll talk to you next Sunday night right here on Fox Sports Radio Las Vegas. Have a great week.